turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Sam, would you like to come and join me? Sam's going to be preaching to us this morning. And uh, I hope you know, you know that as, uh, as a church, we're committed to hearing from not just the same old person week in and week out, but from a variety of different perspectives, different gifts, different voices. And Sam's a much treasured member of the church uh, a real pillar in the church, a prayer warrior, uh, a real encouragement, and uh, <laughs> and the greatest preacher you'll ever hear. No, uh, no pressure. Yeah, no. Let's let's just pray. Lord, I pray for for us that we would hear you speak this morning. We value and cherish moments like this where we put aside a chunk of time to sit and listen to your word proclaimed, taught, unpacked, and to hear someone's heart. And Lord, I pray that you would work in us and through us this morning. Make us obedient to you. Help us to worship you in response and have your way amongst us. Amen. <clears throat> Morning, church. It's with great pleasure and humility that I found it's standing here to talk about, to speak on God's word, because the place of God's word, when it comes to the creation of the word, the upholding of the word, and the things to come, it's just incredible. I would say that he is the word. So when you are standing to speak God's word to God's people, it's a place that you have to do with optimus soberness. And so thanks, Daniel, for that humble introduction. <laughs> um, again, I'm just going to be looking at um, the birth of Jesus Christ because we're just in, around the Christmas season. And we want to just dwell a bit to understand, like looking under the bonnet, some, some concepts we can understand from relationship, from activities that happen, from actions that happen, and how we can encourage ourselves. Because if we look in the book of Timothy, um, I believe chapter, uh, chapter one or two, um, when the Bible talks about all scriptures, it says all scriptures 
is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, now for rebuking, for correcting, for instruction and training in righteousness. You know, so when we look into the word of God and when we stand to look at the scripture, this is what God is expecting that the scripture passes across to train us in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good works. So when we look into this, we really want to be instructed, to be for God to teach us and instruct us. Sometimes you hear not what I'm saying, but what God wants you to hear. Because there is a word for you in the season. So it's just like a spark that opens your ears. It's a blessed at those. It, says, it talks about my hair. It says, my heart hear you say, seek me. It says, my heart say, your face, O Lord, will I seek. So Miriam did a great job last Sunday evening when she succinctly laid the foundation, looking at the intricacies of what Mary have to go through. And for myself, I mean, knowing fully what I was going to be preaching today, and I love, you know, the concept and where, what she lays. So, lay the foundation. So, in that same, you know, view, we will be looking into the dynamic of relationship and actions that happen around the Christmas season when Jesus Christ was born. Now, in Matthew 18, we want to look first from Joseph and understand exactly because I don't think God is such a, I mean, I love what Sam said. He said, he that created the eyes, does he not see? He that created the ears, will he not hear? So God that created orderliness. In selection of Joseph and Mary, it wouldn't have just been a random process and just roll the ruler and say, oh, whoever you fall in here, let's pick that guy. No, there must have been a, a thought behind that because God is not random. I mean, everything he created, we can see order in it. So for him to have selected Joseph and Mary, there must have been something about these two people that comes to light. And what can we learn in the light of the scripture? That the training in righteousness, how do we position ourselves in our work with God? Now, it says, and... Because what Joseph had to go through, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, you know, and 22, verse, from verse 22 and 23, it spoke about when a man is betrothed to a particular woman, there is a concept, because in the Jewish tradition, there are three stages to marriages. At then, because marriage is such a serious business within the Jewish community that they don't just like leave it to the whims of youth and teenagers to just pick whatever you want and say, hey, I want to get married to this. So they have this process where they have the matchmaker when the children were young. I mean, when they have communion, uh, sorry, when they are doing the Passover together, you know, parents start discussing and start observing. So they have their high set. So that is there. So a child, the boy is pinned to a girl from that age, and then they watch them grow. Now, the process of betrothal, we're here, is what we call engagement now. So we have the matchmaking side, which the Jewish call the engagement, and then we have the betrothal, and then we have the marriage. Now, so Joseph and Mary have gone through the first stage of being matched together, and I believe at that point, God will have kept his eyes and his touch on them, watching them as they grow. So now they evolve into a man and a woman which are going to fulfill God's agenda on earth. 
So they have this process of betrothal. Now, Mary just didn't qualify because she's a virgin. Virginity, it's a must in those periods. If if you get married and your husband complain of not finding you in that position, you are in the danger of being, you know, divorced, whatever it is. Now, so it wasn't just about virginity that would have qualified Mary. Because if it's about virgin, God can find so many of them. It's about the condition of hearts that Mary has. And that's why I believe that what Miriam did was fantastic in letting us see how humble this lady is in her heart. Now, so but I want to look into Joseph. Now, Joseph, Bible says in the verse 18, and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. Now, let's just look back. You've got this lady that you've been betrothed to marry, and now she came and told you that, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. Sorry. <laughs> and not, that's not just it. The angel told me. <laughs> I mean, no matter how strong you are in faith, first and foremost, there hasn't been a precedent in history. Yeah. <laughs> so for someone to just tell me that you're just going to smile and just say, oh, hooray, you know, because the way this put it in, in, in Matthew, you know, it didn't put a lot of um, dynamics into it as Luke did. Now, I'm going to run us through the story a bit so that I just follow my imagination. So Mary came and told Joseph about it. And now Joseph, understanding, looking at the person that has spoken, can actually say, look, you know what? There's an element of truth to this. Because she doesn't look like a, someone that goes clubbing, you know, that smokes. And, you, know, you know, you look at attributes of someone that is quite, you know, wayward, whatever it is. You say, look, she doesn't look like that. And if we have time, and I, I, I'll probably move swiftly so that we can get into Mary as well. And then we can actually see, you know, the, the woman that she is. So with Joseph, he had this to struggle with. And like we say now, if it looks too good to be true then definitely it's not. So this sounds just improbable. However, the personality of Joseph is what we're looking at because the dynamic in the house will have changed. So you're looking forward to getting married because the betrothal time lasts for about a year. You're looking to get married to this lady and then within this one year gap, she just told you she's pregnant. And you know if I expose her, if I just report her, she will be stoned to death. That is the punishment, the ultimate punishment. So now the Bible calls Joseph her husband. They did not married because that process of betrothal, it's such a serious process in the Jewish community that if Mary were to have gotten pregnant, she wouldn't have been stoned to death if Joseph takes responsibility. But if any other person takes responsibility why she was in that process of betrothal, she will have been killed. Now, if she was raped, the man will have been killed. If she was raped in the city and she didn't cry out, both of them will have been killed. If she was raped, if you want to get more into this part, you could look into Deuteronomy chapter 20. If she was raped outside on the countryside and there was no one to rescue, then the man would have been punished. So God, understanding that he sets the law, remember, 
this law of punishing by, by death wasn't set up by the Jewish community. It was the law given to them by Moses, which came from God, that when during the period of betrothal, a woman can only be impregnated by her husband. So this is, and Jesus has to come in through a virgin bath. So how does God walk through that intricacy of Jesus coming in through a virgin bath, and yet the woman, I mean, if Mary were just at home, no betrayed to anyone, and she just come on, I'm, I'm a virgin, go and look at Isaiah, and say, I'm going to get pregnant. Come on, no one's going to chop that. They're going to beat her up. They're going to kill her, whatever it is. So God has to look and identify which couple are suitable for the implantation of the seed of the Son of God. So Joseph was equally as qualified as Mary, not just because he came from the lineage of David, which had been corrupted already, but the lineage because of the situation of his heart. So he being a just man, a man of integrity, he had kindness in his heart, so was carefully considering, how do I quietly put her aside without exposing her to shame and possibly death. While he was pondering on this in her heart, a lot of emotion will have been going through Joseph. There will have been pain and aches. His ability to hear this story and not flaring up. I mean, just imagine when you were, I mean, I've been in that situation where you were cutting and everything. You look forward to, so much to your wedding, isn't it? You're so excited and you're doting over your wife and your bride-to-be and continuously married, you're doting over her. But this thing has set you aside that you're not thinking of the exit plan. And there's no way you will be thinking of the exit plan with smile on your face at home. I mean, he's a just man, a man of integrity. So the condition, the atmosphere will have changed at home. The doting husband will have turned to a very sober-looking husband. Now, that gift, that leads to Mary. But wait a minute. God knows this, all this emotion will happen. He knows. If you look back in Luke, why did the angel expose Elizabeth's best kept secret? Elizabeth got pregnant, and the Bible said that she hid herself away quietly. But angel came and gossiped about it and told Mary. Why? Because he knew all this dynamic would happen in the house. And now, why did he tell Mary? Number, number one is the angel spoke something very powerful in that passage. It is to tell Mary that how can this thing happen? I can't comprehend it. And Megan said, okay, I need to tell you about something impossibly that is happening now, which is something miraculous that is happening now. Remember your Aunt Elizabeth? Yeah. She's got a dead womb? Yeah. Guess what? She's pregnant. Whoa. What do you think the reaction of Mary would have been? Oh, all right. No, it would have been, oh, it's incredible. Now, she knows the Elizabeth is married to a priest. He knows the virtues, that she's a virtuous woman. She knows that she's blameless and the whole law. And God is saying, Elizabeth is pregnant. Now, is it just because he wants to make her have a news and go? No. He's trying to tell her, look, imagine the impossible. If you can think of the impossible, then God can do this. So that is building faith in the heart of Mary. 
to say, look, if this happened, it's building. And again, to signpost Mary to where he will get encouragement from. Because when the trouble happens at home, Mary have one, first and foremost, her condition will start changing, and then how will she present herself to the world if she's not getting the full support of her husband? Then so what did Mary do? She left and went to Elizabeth. So because I believe one in my own belief is that the atmosphere at home will have looked a bit tense. Quietly sobering. If I'm planning to divorce a secret, I'm not going to be smiling, especially if I'm a blameless and I'm a just man. So I would probably just be a bit docile and quiet and sober. And Mary probably say, okay, I need to give him a gap now. Besides, I'm not getting support from him. And two, I need to go to where, you know, someone just experienced a miracle and let me just go in there. All right. So here, Joseph was forced slow to anger. And Bible talk in the book of James chapter 1, it says, be quick to listen. Now, slow to talk and then slow to anger. Now, if we look the next passage after that, it says, because the anger of a man does not work out the righteousness of God. So if Joseph are fled up and getting angry, what will have happened? So it's, it's ability to keep sober and being blameless, slow to speak, not speaking irrational words and just, you know, I mean, you could just imagine, it's not an easy news to take. And so he was slow to anger and Bible says that because of that action, he said you can, in that position of being slow to speak and slow to anger, that's when you can hear the voice of God and instruction of what to do. Now, this is interesting because it's written by James. All throughout the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, James never really, was, was, wasn't one of the disciples of Jesus. In fact, they were making jests about Jesus, joking and saying, oh, you call yourself a Messiah. Why don't you go to Jerusalem and show off yourself and show your skills? So he it it didn't follow Jesus quite closely. It was when Jesus Christ rose from dead that he appeared to James and James was converted. Now, James, obviously, being the brother of Jesus, stepbrother of Jesus and others, would have been trained by their parents. And so, some of the attributes, and if you look back, James again explained to us the role of counting it all joy when you fall into all trials, and that's exactly what Mary did, because when Mary, we got to that point in the sense that I still want to dwell on Joseph a bit, then we'll move into Mary. So in that point of Joseph being slow to speak and slow to anger, that's when, what, he had a word from the angel. Now, I want to believe that it's in that period, because the way we react to circumstances does matter if we need to understand what is God's mind concerning this matter. Your emotion of anger and quick to respond should be tempered. Because why? You want to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save, which is the salvation of seeing God work these things out. He has to react, and this is where I believe James draw this inspiration from and say, look, this is how you react to circumstances. So Mary went away to Elizabeth, 
Now, Elizabeth, obviously, says something very important again in um, Luke chapter 1, verse 45. Yeah, talk about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, encourage the blessedness of Mary. But one thing Elizabeth said as well is that blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance. Now, that aspect of faith matters. So when in life we have to put ourselves in these circumstances that are promises God has given to us, and then you look on the outside and it doesn't look like it's, it, it's, it's happening and your doubts are setting in. The point is this, you need to find people of like-minded that we share the stories of testimony of what God has done. Because it is the testimony of the brethren that will encourage us in being able to understand and encourage ourselves in faith. Because it's possible for faith to fail. We all believe that, yes, because Mary has the faith, God has chosen them. But even God understands that they are human, and there will be a time of doubt, and there will be a time of emotion, emotion, emotional disbelief that will go through the challenges. But there is a pattern here that God is showing to us that in angel talking to Mary to say, hey, look, Elizabeth is pregnant. It's not because he wants to gossip. It's because he wants to say, look, you can imagine the impossibility happening. And therefore, you can receive the faith of believing what God is about to do in your life. And guess what? When you are trying, when you're going through a, a trial process, it didn't say go to Elizabeth, but obviously, it, Mary probably would have thought, why did the angel tell me about Elizabeth? So when the atmosphere is changing, you will have found, look, I need to go see Elizabeth. And when you saw Elizabeth, Elizabeth greeting in Luke chapter 1 will have comforted and confirmed to Mary that, wow, this is a revelation from God. Now, Elizabeth, understanding by the Spirit that, look, blessed is he that believeth. What did the, Mary, uh, the angel call Mary? He called Mary, blessed are you among women. And then Elizabeth is saying, blessed are you, and if you believe. So it's that blessedness that we now look into Mary, uh, Mary in the mag Magnificent. I just want us to look closely into Mary and see um, in Luke chapter 2. So, sorry, Luke chapter 1. So we now look into what... Mary said, he said, my soul magnified the Lord. So I read, I read from verse 45. And, Mary, and blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken from the Lord. So that word, you know, who hail Mary, you know, blessed are you among women. No, it, that word is to encourage Mary's faith. To say, no matter what you're saying, you have to hold fast the profession of your faith. You have to hold on to it. And that is what God is inviting and asking us to participate in him, with him. That when he gives you that promises, when he gives you that word, when you see that, you have to understand that holding that fast of profession of faith, Mary magnifies the Lord in verse 45, and for he has looked and humble state of his servant. Again, that's explained the what Mary, st the status of Mary's mind is. He looked, 
the first thing, if you look in the Magnificent, Mary said something about humility. And God speaking about this man I will have mercy on. He that has a broken heart and a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. So Mary selected to be a virgin, not just because she's a virgin physically, it's more about the situation of her heart. She has a humble and a humility heart. And if you look in that passage of the Magnificent, it spoke about the proud and he has brought down the rich. He has... So Mary was saying, look, it's in humility that God exhorts you. However, in all days, verse 55 is where, uh, 45 is where she really now confessed what the angel has spoken to her. It says, and, um, no, and 55, sorry. Right, sorry, 48. 48. He said, For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generation will call me blessed. Now, it's good enough that, yes, the Mary called you, uh, the angel called you blessed. It's good enough that Martha called you blessed. But there's still doubt in your heart. You have to profess that faith. Calling the thing that be not as though they were. That is how we take on God's word. Put it in our lips. In spite of what you're seeing outside, it doesn't look like it's happening. God said, I've called you to be this. Um, a very good one about Jesus. Let's look at Jesus, our Savior. I mean, Lazarus is dead. All right, and he said, look, this is for God to be glorified. And at that point in time, Jesus abides three more days. Why? He remaining still in his presence. And that is the challenge we have these days, that when God gave us words, we take our eyes off it. Peter, faith was about to fail. And Jesus said, Peter, I pray for you that your faith will not fail. So when you have that word of God and say, God has spoken this, all the promises are written down, but do you take those words and put them on your lips and say, God, you have called City Church to be a city on the hill. You have said City Church will expand. And we, what is it that God has spoken to us? Are we repeating those things? Is by affirming those things with our words that you realize that you shake up the spirit of doubt in your mind. Now, and while you're doing that, is that you've accepted, and there's nothing. We can't keep God's promises and keep them still in the book. And say, God, you've promised this, and you keep them. And you're so far. No, you have to take it and call it forth as they were. And that is exactly what Jesus did with Nazareth. With Lazarus. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He said, because when he called that forth, he knew that very soon he was going to be killed, he was going to be buried. If anyone believed in me, even though he died, he shall rise again. So that affirmative word, it is you have to call forth what God has called you. And that is the faith work. You have to call it forth. There will be a time of challenges outside. But not looking at those things we see inside, uh, outside, but looking at what God's word says, putting it on our lips, and call it forth. Now, Jesus Christ was told, has one single purpose. God speak from beginning to the end, saying that he, his name shall be called Jesus. For what? He would deliver his people from their sin. 
sin. What does that imply? Sin came in Genesis chapter 1 when God told man and said, of the trees in the garden, you shouldn't eat. But the tree of knowledge, all the trees in the garden you can eat of except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, but wait a minute, all the trees in the garden, but there was one tree in the garden as well, the tree of life. God never stopped man from eating from the tree of life. So all the trees in the garden, which included the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, man can eat. But when the serpent came, he pointed man to say, look, you can be like God if you what? Eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So God barred the man from eating of the tree of life. Now, it's important for us to understand that concept of Jesus Christ coming to save us from our sin that it is the fact that up to now, men have always wanted to be their own Lord. They want to be what? Determine, you know, self, self-determine. I want to know what is good or right. When do we know when we start having teenagers? I know exactly what to do, isn't it? It starts coming up. So even us, what we have to be careful about is that this is not only for those that are outside that feed of this tree of knowledge of good of evil. Man have always fed from this tree. So when Jesus Christ said, God said, when you eat of this tree, what does it say you will do? You shall die. So man died the very day that he actually ate of that tree of knowledge of good or evil. So, and what happened? Bible says, and his eyes were naked, and he found out that they were, uh, sorry, his eyes were open and they were naked. Now, wait a minute. They weren't actually. They were in the likeness of God already. Because he let us create man in our image and after our own likeness. Isn't it? So they are in the likeness of God. And, God des- and the Bible describes the likeness of God. That God is clothed in what? Light. So when man died, the spirit died in him. The light got switched off. And then what? He saw that he was no longer clothed. He was naked. Now the struggle now starts because God says, okay, all this why man has always known what good and evil is. But the only thing that was taken away from man is the ability to do the good. Man has that knowledge. I've laid before you good and evil, blessing and causes. I urge you, pick life so that you can live. But they don't have that ability. They don't. So man lost God's ability, but then gained self-consciousness. We got the self-consciousness, but we lost the ability of God. And what Jesus Christ came to do, he said, I come to deliver you from your sin. So to deliver you from your sin means that what, does, what did sin brought? Sin brought death. So God came in and brought life. So in giving life, the life of God is to give us the ability to do what good is. We don't lack in that knowledge of good or evil. What we lack is the capability to do the good that God expects of us. Now, so we wonder that, okay, so every man out there that is not saved of God, potentially 
is struggling with that ability. And that's why we have to have compassion. If you tell someone, do you know what you're doing is wrong? You say, yes, I know. But they don't have the ability to stop. What God has blessed you and I with is that life of God in us that Jesus Christ brought to us so that we can do what he expects of us to do. Not to try. It's to trust. So, and now when we come to church, we realize that a lot of us start trying to be like Jesus. If you pray more, you'll be like Jesus. If you study more, you'll be like Jesus. No, God is saying, come to me, Martha Mary in Jesus, converted saint. It was Martha's house. Jesus was in there. And Mary did what? Sat at his feet. Martha, wanting to impress Jesus, was busy. Now, you understand the fact that when Martha came, I said, do you think it's fair? Which is God? Is it good or bad? Judge. That is feeding from the tree of knowledge of good or evil, even though you're trying to please the Lord. So when we look very much and just thought, oh, because we are born again, therefore we've heard of the tree of life, therefore there's no possible. That tree of life in us is something we have to feed on daily. We have to feed on it daily, or else you might find yourself with the fact that you start being more judgmental. You start becoming more critical. And the aspect of being slow to anger, you know, and slow to stop, you, you find it difficult to practice. And if you find yourself in this situation, remember that Jesus Christ came into the world to deliver us from this struggle. Christianity is not a struggle. Christianity is a place where Jesus said, come to me. And what he's saying is come. He said, Mary has chosen the right one, the good path. And what is the good part? It's not in the, what is to do or what is not to do. It is Jesus. Yes, that's what he's coming to do. So Mary has chosen to understand that it is by sitting at his feet that you receive this grace and the energy to do that which looks impossible. Because this same Mary was the one that broke the alabaster oil on Jesus. Far beyond cooking a meal for Jesus. And someone said, goodness me, do you know how this cost? How much this cost? Because what? She sat with Jesus to receive the energy to do beyond what we can think or imagine. And that's what God says. He said, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can think or imagine, according to what? The power that worketh in you. So Christmas is for us to remember again that we are born by God, having the spirit of God in us, but then when we come in, we come in as babe, but we need to grow to become sons of God. Because why? The creation is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God, not of babes in Christ. And but wait a minute, how do we feed more of this life? How do we more get more of this life? Do you understand? The way we get more of this life is more fellowship with God. And the life comes by his word. So at this point in time, there is that aspect that Jesus Christ was born to save me from my sin. Yes, I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, in whom I have what? Redemption by his blood and the forgiveness of sin. But God says, 
I'm waiting and I'm seeking for those that will worship me in spirit and in truth. So born of God means that we are born by the spirit. So we are born into this kingdom that we come in as babe. But then for us to grow in him, we have to feed more on him. And so when that struggles is coming in, when that pain is coming in, and I was talking recently and um, with this gentleman which felt like, oh, I've got it, my cross is quite heavy. And I said, look, the cross feels heavy when you're looking from your lens and when you're carrying the cross with your strength. Christianity is not meant to be something that I'm struggling to do daily. I've been through that myself, which I thought, okay, Joseph is blameless. You know, he's a blameless man. So I'm trying to focus on that blamelessness to be careful and thinking something I can achieve. I find it so difficult. But when I come to realize it is by coming to him and here, he said, come unto me, or ye will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, learn of me. So coming is where we are. But then he now said, after you've come, sit and learn of me. For what? I am meek. I am lowly. And you will find rest for your soul. So as we want to come into the communion this time around, I just want us to take pause and reflect that what aspect of our lives have we found out that, yes, we have been called. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He chose you. So, and so when he chose you, but he said, but I didn't just choose you to come in and be the way you are. You can't. God so loved us. We brought coming to his kingdom, but we can't remain the way we are. We can't. Because this love is a transformative love. So I chose you so that you can bear fruit and your fruit shall abide. How do we bear the fruit? He said, I am divine. You are the branches. If you abide in me, and my what? My word abide in you. In it you shall bring more forth fruit. So we are in Christmas. Hallelujah. We have Jesus. We are part of the kingdom. But what part of our life are we still carrying the cross and the cross feel heavy? We need to come and lay it down at his feet. I said, Lord, teach me. See, my heart here, you say, seek me. My heart say, your face will love, will I seek. It is more of the life of God that you realize that you don't struggle in that part. You walk with grace. And guess what? Do you know how you know you walk in grace? But you have compassion on those that are struggling. You don't look at people and say, oh, that guy called himself a Christian, and you judge. If you do, you're still feeding on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's an easier tree to feed from because that's what we are born into. Let's feed of the tree of life by taking the communion. Amen.